Barry Lewis's Stonkid Foodcast. Oh, proper lash it is, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new podcast. It's me, Barry. Uh, this is Barry Lewis's Stonkin Foodcast, and I'm not alone. Uh, through the power of the internet, my co-host, Alec Plowman from Bastions, a.k.a. Mr. Cheeseboard. Hi, Alec. Hi, how's it going? Not too bad. This is this is cool. Should we have a little chat about why we're doing this and like the, the, the whole point of the foodcast? Because you, you kind of came to me with this idea, and you're like, Barry... We love working together on Barstons on the whole podcast thing. Like, let's let's bring this together and celebrate the world of food. Well, I think you and I on Barstons behind the scenes spent quite a lot of time talking about food. Yeah, uh, if not, if not eating. Yes, <laughs> this is true. So, food formed a pretty major part of Barstons, and I kind of figured that it would be fun to continue that in a podcast format. And what do you think is the point of this podcast? What are we trying to do? I mean, we've got loads of different topics and we're going to make them related to different episodes and seasonal, like maybe Christmas ones and things like that. But I guess it's another chance for me to connect with my audience and things as well. Yeah, it's just a chance to to for people to get a bit of behind the scenes about what what you do. So outside of your videos, a bit more a bit more of a sense of what goes on in the world of Barry Lewis. Yeah. Um, but also your thoughts on some foodie topics, whether it's um, whether it's recipes or different cuisines or all of these kinds of things. Um, it's just to give people a, a slice of foodie goodness um, on a regular basis uh, in the form of a podcast. I'm really looking forward to it because we did like talk about food a lot off camera and also we we did eat a lot when we were in london anyway and the, obviously the food there is is insane compared to my hometown but hopefully i've got a little bit of an in, online profile to showcase what i'm doing and talk about some trends and things so yeah lots to talk about there is and on that subject um we should probably jump in with some of the talking so tell me barry what in the past couple of weeks what have you been up to in the kitchen oh well actually in, in terms of when i film and uh, actually put the videos out i'm about 10 to 14 days ahead so that's how the sort oh, okay. of process works this week i've done two videos um one was actually at the start of the week i seem to get a lot of requests for rainbow or sometimes they're called unicorn like recipes where okay. you, you kind of have the colors of the rainbow, which obviously is in a unicorn's hair. Um, this was a unicorn crepe cake. Interesting. So crepe uh, being like a pancake kind of, you know, like a thin pancake, so not an American-style pancake. So um, it was basically trying out a recipe that, that was actually made by, I think, uh, BuzzFeed Tasty. So I, I gave that a bit of a whiz, and um, I, I tried to still put my own spin on it. I, I, like, I like to just... Do, the reason that's a playlist called Barry Tries, so I'll try the recipe out and go, look, is this is this easy to do and, and document the process? And people seem to really like that playlist. I've done like Heston Blumenthal's scrambled egg ice cream and Gordon Ramsay's beef wellington, things like that. But the tasty ones seem to get quite a reaction because they tend to be quite a challenge. But this was actually one of the easiest ones. And basically you make a, a pancake batter uh, and you dye them into like the six different colors of the rainbow. Uh, about, you know, made about three or four of each one. 
and I sort of took it up a notch by flavoring certain pancakes. Oh, okay. So uh, for the green one, for example, I put mint extract in. For the orange one, I put orange extract in. And I was going to go more and more with that, like we had lemon extract. But for the rest, I just put vanilla in there. Uh, and then you sort of stack them together with a whipped cream filling on every single level. Uh, so okay. uh, with that, I instead of just putting the cream in, I actually put some lemon curd in as well to the cream. Oh, wow, okay. So whip that through just to give it like a little bit of a lemon twang. Uh, so every single layer, I got an ice cream scoop, the two ice cream scoops, just to, for consistency. Put it down uh, on my branded Barry Lewis cake spinner table as well. Got to say, <laughs> I was starting to bring out my own gadgets, so I stuck that down. A little bit of cream, all the way up, and uh, then you then cover it in cream, frost it, and chill it for about an hour. Take a slice out of that, and that was phenomenal. That video is actually going out as we record this uh, on this evening. So I'm really interested to see the reaction of that because I didn't actually take a picture of the finished article. I've learned that it's best to sort of tease what I'm doing, but not actually show the finished thing until the video is out. So not to get people too excited. And um, you know, last week, actually uploads, I did some hacks with Mrs. Barry where uh, we made some donuts out of puff pastry using some cutter with a plastic cup. I saw that. Yeah. Some very some very wide but very nice looking donuts you got out of that. Yes, yeah. It's uh, all down to the shape of the bottle, I guess. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like this hack where you're supposed to cut a water bottle into sections with a glue gun. So you cut off the top and the bottom, discard the middle, put the, uh, the top, which is thinner, into the bottom bit and then put the lid on top of the bottom bit upside down to act as a handle. And then obviously that should give you like a effectively a, a donut cutter shape. And it didn't work that great. And we did it with puff pastry. And to be honest, puff pastry donuts, everyone is tweeting me going, hey, <laughs> I use your hack and this is amazing. We've just had puff, we've had donuts in like 15 minutes. You just chuck them in the fryer, roll them in some cinnamon sugar, just cinnamon and sugar mixed together. And it's a quick fix, you know. So that was quite a fun result. And we were had Mrs. Barry trying to chop onions yeah. with uh, bread in her mouth. But I saw that, and I saw that you also you also ruined Mrs. Barry's soup by full it, filling it with salt and then yes. dropping a potato in it. Yes, that wasn't too good at all. But there's a no people have had a, a, some theories on why that didn't work, and a lot of them were like, "There's too much salt." Yeah, I think that you put you put an insane amount of salt in there, yeah. which I think might have been the problem. Because I think it does work. I think the potato hack should work. Yeah, It's just a problem of, there's a question of ratios there. I yeah. think if you put an entire crop of potatoes in there, you probably would find, <laughs> seeing as you'd put more or less an entire container of salt in there. But that's the thing I find with these videos, like these, I think they're called five minute hacks. There's someone called Blossom that does them. They'll they'll do them and they'll get massive, massive views. And they're actually done by food stylists. So they make it look insane. And a lot of them will work marginally but nowhere near as well as they make out in those videos. Like they, I think that's just it. And that's the problem with, a, with hacks full stop, is that if something is promising to be too good to be true, then it often, it often is. It's the same as in, as in things in life in general. Yeah. I do think some of them work quite well. Mm -hmm. Like I think that I know that uh, Mrs. Barry was stood there for about 20 minutes trying to poach that egg. Yes. But I get the feeling that that is one. I've done that before with a ladle. Uh, and I actually part submerged it and I seem to get quite good results with that. So I think that that one with a bit of tweaking probably does work. Okay. For an egg. Yeah. Um, but it is the case that, yeah, some of these things are just more, um, you know, they promise the world and they don't exactly deliver. Yeah. Uh, the thing that you learn in the kitchen is sometimes you've just got to, you've just got to put in the hard work and that no, no, no amount of hacks are going to get you out of certain situations. I think my favorite one that I ever did with Mrs. Barry was um, where if you want to get the cork out of a wine bottle, yeah. 
if you basically just get a chef's blowtorch and just sort of work around the top edge of the neck of the bottle, it expands. Okay, yeah. So so the cork just slowly, slowly eases up and then all of a sudden it gathers pace and just fires out like a gun and we nearly put a dent in our ceiling. I think that's on Kitchen, kitchen Hack <laughs> testing number eight. It's still one of my favorite okay. scenes of all time. It just, it got a bit crazy and I never try and tell Becky what these hacks are, hence the reason one time she tried to iron a panini. She tried to, like, <laughs> like she's like, this is the way of reheating a panini. You were supposed to wrap the panini in foil. And I'm like, right, this is the hack. This is the basics. I look around and she's wrapping the iron in foil. <laughs> the whole <laughs> iron. I'm like, what? It's made it look like some sort of gun that Robocop would have had or something like that. But they, they are fun. And yeah, the props on the latest one as well, the, the meatballs in the egg carton was pretty good. Yeah, that it? seemed to work quite well, didn't it? It's, yeah. The only problem you've got with that is that it is a bit of a faff. Yes. Because you've got to, and you need a big enough egg tray to make it worth your while. You need like, you need one of those 15 trays of eggs to to do enough meatballs for like a full meal. Yeah, for but a yeah, family, if yeah. You want, if you want to take the fat out of your meatballs, then that's um, that's not a bad way of doing it. Yeah, it? and it, it did absorb the fat pretty well. I mean, the other thing, it did take a little bit of the colour of the box. But I said to bet, oh, you know, it's only a bit of cardboard, a bit of paper, be all right. It's nothing too bad. But no, I think it's, you get good and bad ones, and there's generally a lot of bad ones. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's you know, this it's just just good thing of just putting it to the test, a bit like the Barry Tries thing with the rainbow crepe. You know, I'd I quite like the idea of being the person that says, right, okay, I'm gonna be hold my hands up. If this works, boom, great. Okay, give it a go. If not, okay, don't try it again. <laughs> so what is the what is the one kitchen hack that you swear by have you got one that has become like a, a mainstay for you in the kitchen that you always use since doing these i don't know because a lot of them like you know I, i'll do a hack and or i'll see it and i say this is a hack and i'm like well i don't know if that's a hack or if it's just good knife skills or something like that like there was one the other day i saw where i was going to test it and i was like hang on a sec this that's just basically cutting pasta um it was i made some fresh pasta and you roll it up and fold it on itself and there's a way you can roll it into a tube and then finally dice it and all of a sudden you've got like evenly cut perfect tagliatelle within about mm. a minute and in fact i saw that on a tv show the other day by a pro who was doing it i was like so hey i'm definitely doing something right but i think that's the thing i mean i probably do some hacks as well One well, actually my favorite ones is when you just chop uh with vegetables if you get like a damp cloth uh, i was taught that um, by a home economist so just get a, one of those blue damp cloths uh like make it make it damp not too wet fold it over itself put it on your work surface and stick a chopping board on top and it will stop the chopping board moving yeah that's a that's a hack i use an awful lot um, well that's a that's one that you see used in a lot of kitchens as well isn't yeah it? i think a, that's the ones they stand the test of time if there's ones that work generally there'll be ones that sneak out and things like you know there, there was a hack i did i mean there's definitely not this is nothing something that people should do, particularly in England as well. There was one where you could try and bake cookies in your car. <laughs> right. That yeah. already sounds like a recipe for disaster. Right yes. So you do get you mean like, literally in the car, as in in the engine? Well, or? I did it when it was a real hot summer day and I've got a baking tray and you get some cookie dough, so some of the ready-made stuff. Or I made my right. own as well. Stick it in the windshield and put it you know, in the sun and you're supposed to give it a good hour. And I gave mine about an hour and a half, and uh, no, it didn't. Uh... <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. I can imagine that uh, the you know Western Supermare summers are probably not quite the uh, the test for that. Are no, they? I think if it was uh, the Midwest America or something like that, yeah, right, <laughs> like in the desert or something in yeah, Vegas, in Texas, I'm oh sure yeah, you'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, we, they were 
it was quite a hot day to be fair, but one of the hottest days of the summer. So I, I had everything on my side in terms of my location. But if it was in another country, I mean, they did work. And I think it would have needed another, perhaps another two hours. But my sun time was limited. That was the peak time. And whereas, you know, another 10 degrees higher in a different country definitely would have worked. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any hacks you use in Alec? Or? So I, my... I I don't really. The one thing I do that I don't even know if I would consider a hack, but I have seen people calling it a hack, is onion chopping, which is just the the chefy way of chopping onions, which is where you cut it in half and then you put the incisions in it going, um, yeah, through to, going, into the core bit, yeah, yeah, and then incisions in it going vertically and then chop through again horizontally, yes. and then the other way around, and then you end up with really nice small finely diced bits of onions that's right yeah uh, and i've seen people i've seen people call that a hack but as you said before i think that's just knife skills yeah it's not really uh that's just that's just a th- that's good kitchen practice i think it is yeah i don't know if it's the standard way of chopping an onion if you give an onion to someone who knows how to use a knife and go right just chop an onion they would obviously just mash it up uh which is fine well, for years <laughs> for years that's what i did i used to and you know you used to have big chunks of onion in everything but yeah i think um, sometimes you want big chunks of onion in a dish, yeah. but often you don't. And I think that if you're if you're making a sauce or a you know a casserole or whatever, and you want something that's a bit more, you know, a bit more fine, then I think that that is the way to do it. Especially if you're doing stuff like burgers, then I think that that's yeah. that's completely necessary. Although I now just mince onions if I'm doing burgers. Oh, really? You want that complete smoothness of yeah. texture? Like when we did the meatballs for that hack, we just cut the onions just rough because Mrs. Barry had contact lenses in. At first, which is apparently the best shield ever to not crying. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, yeah. as you said in the video, it's basically just like wearing goggles, isn't it? Yeah. And you've got that completely, completely covered. Because I know some people wear sunglasses when they're cutting onions mm, and mm. things, don't they? Yeah, there's a gadget called onion goggles, and they are basically swim goggles because they, they've got the suction around the eyes to stop any sort of vapors getting anywhere near your eyes. So it's a, just rebranded goggles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's, I've heard I've heard it depends on where you cut into the onion, whether you release whatever mm. it is that makes you do that. But th- to be honest, I've I've never had any success with that. I just I gave up after a while. I was like, I'm just going to accept that I'm going to have to stand here and have a little cry. Yeah, I think it's you feel, you're feeling like emotional. You're feeling part of the onion. <laughs> you're making it. Yeah, I just I just I put a bit of Celine Dion on yeah, my onion it. and just yeah. just find myself. The power ballads. Yeah, that's that's the way. Yeah, but you're right with that hack though. Like and also like if you, it's quite nice. You get your knife nice and sharp and you you use the core because that's the thing that holds it all together if you get these lines nice and fine and then the, the more horizontal levels you can add in even just a little nick at the top if you slice that down then you can get the most small even pieces of onion and then just you know you always get a little stumpy core bit left and just push that away but it's it's a, and i guess it is a hack because you know, not your average Joe would do it, but, and I don't know yeah. if that's a standard way to... I mean, if that's a standard way to cut an onion or if it's something that's evolved because someone's come up with the idea, maybe that's up for debate. But yeah, I mean, that's the difference of like a hack or, you know, trying to, I don't know, hoover up... Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the nut one we did quite recently as well. Where there was a jam jar where you roast nuts and you put them into like those jam jars with a lid for um, that you can take out. Um, put the nuts in there that have kind of got their shells off but they're still hanging on put baking parchment on poke a little hole in then hoover it up and they're right. just supposed to suck up the actual shell and the nuts should stay in there yeah that didn't work <laughs> no it's, it's just that and by the time you've by the time you've put all the effort into that it's like you might as well have just shelled the nuts 
Yeah. And the yeah. time you've done all of that. So I've got a question for you, Mr. Lewis. Okay. Uh, and my question for you today is, how how did it all start? Who are your big foodie influences? Who are the people who inspired you on the journey into YouTube stardom and cooking as a profession? Where did that come from? And who were the people that made you want to do it? Well, I don't know. I think cooking for me has all been a bit accidental. YouTube particularly has been an accidental thing. It was just a platform for me to put up the videos. But I, and I guess my, I mean, my first ever experience of cooking uh, was I tried to make a little bit of rice pudding uh, with my nan years ago when we'd have a roast dinner okay. on a Sunday. But then I went to secondary school and we had a little bit of home economics there, like, you know, making a shepherd's pie. And I always say the story about how I made a pineapple upside down cake. And for some reason, they always put our cooking as the last slot in the day. So I'd make this epic sometimes it'd be a casserole or it'd be uh, a pineapple upside down cake and the bell would go at half, half past three and I lived about five minutes walk home so there I am with a Sainsbury's plastic bag carrying this casserole dish or freshly baked pineapple upside down cake because you know we're all shut for school want to leave and the pineapple upside down cake just tipped up all over me so it was like an upside down oh, upside no. down cake by the time I got okay. home so, so I guess my, my home economics teacher to a degree was I don't know, my first exposure to cooking. And then I yeah. went from that to, I guess, you know, I was quite lucky. Uh, my nan who lived with us, she did a lot of all the cooking for us. And, you know, as it was, I sort of went on in life and tend to not really, I, I liked eating. I think everyone does right. enjoy that. <laughs> um, but I never, I always sort of shirked away from it. Um, okay. I might get one moment of like my ears pricking up and going, oh, and I wonder how this was made. Um, but our, our meals at home were very consistent. Very basic. I, I didn't really. Well, I never had a sweet potato until I was like twenty five. Right. Okay. <laughs> it was like yeah. um, since I met my wife, we tended to really. She's opened me up to a bit more food. Her family were a bit more adventurous in the kitchen. But um, yeah, I used to just order a pizza and stuff before um, I, I started doing my channel. And uh, I think it was after becoming a father uh, with Phoebe, oh, okay. my That's first daughter. Yeah, I was starting to think. Hang on a sec. I should try my best a bit more at cooking here. And actually, the day. Um, my my wife gave birth to Phoebe. I got home that evening and um, obviously Becky was in hospital for about four or five days, the hospital here in Weston. But I got home that night and um, I was like, I was like, God, I need to cook. And uh, I didn't think about it because my father-in-law rang me up. Oh, I fancy going to the pub, celebrate wetting the, wetting the baby's head. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah sure. So we go to the pub, have a few drinks. And then he goes home and only over the road for him. So get home. I was like, I'm going to make a pizza. And I was semi-drunk and I stuck this pizza right. in the oven didn't think about it. Ten minutes later, took the pizza out with my bare hands. And uh, that was my wow. thing where I started to think, right, I need to start looking at this cooking thing. I need I, to start learning what you're doing there. Yeah. And I guess, you know, at, at the time, Jamie Oliver was a big inspiration in a way. Uh, so, and so what year would this have been around? This would have been... Hmm, 2011 about that, 2011 okay so so jamie's quite well established by this point yeah this is where the... he's been around for a while because yeah he's been on for about 20 years now i think uh, yeah um on the telly so uh so he was always like you know the most relatable one and uh you know it just but then you know delia and people like that were, were still about then ainsley harriet uh i think gordon ramsay was was there as well uh yeah he was actually because i Within the first year of starting on Twitter, I entered a Christmas competition and got a signed book from him, actually. Here. Oh, wow, okay. I got a signed book from Gordon Ramsay. I've just realized that <laughs> down the stairs. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say, you know, obviously, he, Jamie wasn't a, an active influence. It was just more, 
the actual day that did it, actually, no, he was, to be fair. It was Christmas Day. Uh, we'd just eaten our roast dinner or Christmas dinner and we'd fallen asleep in front of the telly, as you do, all full of food and uh, Queen's speech on the telly and we'd changed the channel and that and all the relatives around me did. yeah, were asleep. And obviously I didn't have Chloe then or Phoebe was very small to even keep me busy. So it was just like, oh, let's watch TV and fall asleep and literally turned over the channel and it was Jamie Oliver basically poaching an egg uh right he literally picked the egg up the water was simmering basic and just chucked it in and i was like is that it is that literally how you poach an egg and uh that moment i was like i'm gonna try that and back then blogs were the big thing you know writing blogs yeah yeah so you know maybe not even the glorious photos that you take now because some blogs now the photos they take are insane but just writing about it and i thought well i'm a virgin in the kitchen i'm gonna I'm going to try and teach myself how to poach an egg. That was literally it. And I, I created the website, the main, my Virgin Kitchen. I got some of the Twitter and the Facebook. I just did all that anyway. And I, I think that gave me the momentum to go, right, okay, I just want to have this platform to say to myself, I'm going to write this recipe, type it up. I'm going to go, right, this is how I poach my egg. And that'll be that. And hopefully this inspires someone to have a go. And I thought, oh, I can't write very well at all. And I got a C in English at school. I'm not that bad, but writing is never, I, I don't know. I do like writing. I get quite creative sometimes. I'd love to write cartoons and things. I, I, that's a little passion of mine on the side. I'd love to do more creative writing. But in terms of, I felt that it, people couldn't believe it, if that makes sense. I, I'm much easier for me to pick up a camera and film that process of going, right, I'm going to poach an egg. Literally, if this works, boom and it was so rough and i think to a degree i kind of try and keep that charm still to my videos now of just being authentic and just having that rustiness and i think there's still a nice genuine side about that that people do do like um but it was i didn't use a camcorder uh, sorry a tripod for the last for the first two years didn't know how to edit a video i literally picked it up cracked an egg uh i think i put a Jesus toast. I had this stamper that someone got me as a novelty Christmas gift around that time where you press right. it into the bread and it says like, it's got the face of Jesus on like a parody thing. Okay. Uh, I think it's for Jesus or something like a cheese pun thing. Uh, right. So I did that on the bread, poached the egg and it worked. And I thought, cool, I'm going to put this video up, see what happens. I think it got like three views, but then one of the comments on there um, <laughs> was like, this is great. Keep going. And I was like, well, no, no, I've done it now. I've proved that I can poach an egg. That was the plan. I just wanted to put a video out there, you know, put it on a Twitter and just post a tweet. I didn't want to carry on, really. I had a right. job as a quantity surveyor, so like an accountant okay. on a building site, which is basically arguing with a builder saying, oh, I built, that's 200 bricks, and I tell him it's 100, and then we agree on 150. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So it's a completely different contrast of doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I, that wasn't the plan. It was just, right, okay, cool. I've uh, I've done it. But then I started to get more and more comments over the next couple of weeks saying, could you do another one? And I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll carry on. And then, so really you could say my main inspiration from that is Jamie Oliver, um, 100%, because if it wasn't for seeing that clip, I wouldn't have started the channel. It's an interesting thing with Jamie, I think, mm. because so I think that he makes things very accessible. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. Jamie Oliver for me was also sort of my entry into food stuff when yeah. I was when I was a teenager and it was around the time of that Jamie's school dinners campaign. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching that show and being very interested in that. 
Uh, also because at the time I thought the food in my school canteen was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> so it was it was nice to see that and then see the real the real world effects of that actually happening yeah. and that having an impact when I was in high school. Um, but I had it was that uh, Jamie's I think it was called Jamie's Dinners. It was called Jamie's Dinners or Jamie's Kitchen. It was the book that accompanied that show, mm. which I got, which was just really sort of your straightforward how to make basics yeah sort of thing so it was how to make stew how to make bolognese how to make lasagna how to you know how to make burgers and make how to make a curry all of that basic stuff and i think like with you and the poached egg it was the idea of oh okay this isn't rocket science mm. i think for a long time i sat there going there is this mystic art to cooking and it's this thing that my it's this kind of alchemy that my mum does and that i don't really understand how that works yes. it's some kind of like magic wizard science and um and i just don't get it but then seeing those things makes you go oh right okay here we go this is actually something that's accessible so that's when i started to get a lot more interested in in cooking is from jamie oliver as yeah well. i think he has inspired a lot of people definitely i think uh, like especially in our age band uh particularly yeah. i think growing up he was the i mean he was the one that was kind of everywhere um yeah. but then there were a few others around but he just seemed that accessible you know he's done maybe a few projects that aren't to everyone's taste like you know i remember seeing the school dinner one at, th at first and being like well yeah not really my thing but i'll watch it and like that but like say a good decent book that's solid that just gives you the absolute basics like delia smith's got yeah. a really good one like that but it's just so boring and bland it's just text whereas jamie's books the photography, he's got a photographer he's used for a long time called David Loftus. And Jamie's yeah. a pretty good photographer himself. And remember what, I've just seen his Instagram and he does a lot of his own photography and he has other people. I and mean, the food styling in particular is an entire profession in itself. I've got some food stylists if we ever wanted to grill him on the podcast. Another food mm. pun, look at that. That'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've done some of them myself, like a few tests of, you know, putting cotton wool in the microwave soaked, putting it behind a bowl of cold soup to make the steam come up to make it look oh, like it's hot. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But they've got loads like that. But I mean, he's got like a whole network of people. You know, he's passionate about it, but then it's the photos as well that accompany it and just that sort of relaxed vibe. And I think yeah, he's that's why he's lasted this test of time. He's tried new things out like YouTube and and pushed the boundaries and and just been a, a little bit more different, but also approachable. And um, you know that that's what I do like about it. I mean, there's other people that I watch. There's a guy in America called Alton Brown. Okay, um, I don't know if he's kind of like does a more of a sciencey vibe. But the one thing I really like about him, and it's really really hard for me to try and do it on my own. And one day I hope to be able to perhaps have some people that can help me at least create a side spin off show like that. It's very very cool filmed in like one take, but it flows from he'll do one scene and then it, he'll bend down to get some out of the oven, and he's literally got a, ca a camera in the oven that he right, talks to sure. and the, the sound is all consistent and it just flows and it's very clever. He does a mix of drawings and things. So um, visually and for something to watch and it actually gave me a, a different level of inspiration compared to the ones that Jamie did. I think Jamie was very much like, okay, I feel like I can do this. Well, I mean, this is just proof, you know, obviously he's doing this podcast right now. I kept going and if it wasn't for him, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have carried on, but this was a different level of like, okay, getting creative. And he did this like grilled, grilled cheese recipe, which is insane, this Alton Brown. And it's, it kind of puts a bit of science behind it, ways of adapting the flavor, but it's also the way it's presented. And um, yeah, I'm I just trying to think of others. Harry Bikers, I, I quite like some of their style. It's very relaxed as well. And it's two guys having a bit of banter. I quite like that. Um, 
you know, it's very relaxed and it's also got that element of travel as well. I really, I really do like that sort of, I think that sort of fun sort of road travel foodie vibe thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other inspirations other than Jamie yourself? So yeah, for me, I, so I started with Jamie Oliver. I, I'm mm. going to say, I'm going to say my mum, because I think that you, you have to say that really, but growing up, yeah. I spent a lot of time hanging around in the kitchen, watching my mum cook. Right. And then after I got interested in, in cooking through the Jamie programs and the book, it was really my mum who taught me the, who taught me the basics. And my mum's a very good cook. So I was lucky in that respect. Yeah. Um, Adelia then later became a big, a big, big influence because I think that Delia is just the on as far as getting your fundamentals down. If you want to become a good home cook, then I think that Delia is the is the place to go. Yeah, she absolutely. really is the authority. And I think watching those, I love those early Delia shows, the ones from the seventies, anyway, yeah. because they're very quaint by today's standards. But I think that she. Uh, just as far as getting your fundamentals in, I think that watching those, you can learn so much in the space of half an hour from one and there's of a sort episodes. of honesty about it as well, because the editing isn't as as tight, and you can sort of see how it just flows naturally, and it's just just going back to the roots and that real basicness, and um, it's you know she's presenting and always quite a serious lady compared to some others in a, in a way in that very formal which is which is you know in a way the way it always was and i think jamie did open that up but no i think you're right I mean, isn't that a bit of bias there because she's in norwich or um, <laughs> which is where well, you're from i mean that's well that's the the sole reason i moved to norwich is of course because of, <laughs> because of our lady delia but yeah. um no i think it was just um the thing i was liked about delia and from sort of a historical perspective is she made it a lot more accessible and yeah. she was much more focused on the home cooking side because that's the thing I've never, in terms of my own cooking, I, you know, I like to, I like to get involved and I like to really, you know, to push myself to make better things. But I'm never, at the end of the day, I'm always a home cook. It's always about feeding the family rather than, um, rather than necessarily aspiring to be a Michelin star chef or anything like that, which I've never done at all. Yeah, it's always, it's always good home cooking. I'm, you know, I, I'm a home cook and i i think people who can who can really teach the fundamentals of that like delia did was was just great so i was going to say on that subject on the subject of sort of introducing people to cook because i think that's something that you've done quite a lot of with the barry lewis channel as well mm. i think that you've one of it in terms of making something accessible that inspires people to get into the kitchen so my question for you would be, well, what are, what would, where would you tell people to start? If somebody came up to you and said, Barry, I've watched you poaching an egg mm. uh, and now I want to jump into the world of cooking. What are the, the basic tips that you would give people and what are the first recipes that you would recommend for somebody to try out? What, what What's the jumping off point, do you think? One of the, I mean, one of the most popular recipes in the world is pasta and there's nothing more fun than making your own homemade pasta, but I'm not suggesting that people go from poaching an egg to making yeah. homemade pasta, but it's not as hard as it sounds anyway. But one thing I did find was that I didn't realize that fresh pasta existed when I first started cooking, uh, when I first started learning to cook. So obviously I would just, I'd go to the supermarket, I'd look at pasta and think, right, okay. I wouldn't even look in the fridge section for pasta. I would look in the dried spaghetti and that, and it would yeah. put me off because it would take 20 minutes to cook. But you can go into the fridge section and get the the ready-made, like fresh stuff that's partially done uh, and it boils and it cooks in like three or four minutes. No, So like... One really cool thing to do is you can literally go in the, in a 
Now, Sainsbury's is a supermarket I use often because it's literally right by me. Uh, but most supermarkets have this. You have the fresh pasta. And literally in the same aisle next to that is like a bolognese selection of sauces, like a ready-to-go sauce. And then for me, this leads to two aisles. And the next to it after that is some ready-made meatballs. So with three ingredients, you could literally boil that pasta in a minute, uh, well, in a couple of minutes. Whilst that's going, open up your packet of uh, sauce and cook your meatballs in a pan or in the microwave or even in an egg carton if you fancy it but you know just cook them any way you like or chicken whatever meat you want and mix the three together and you've got yourself a pasta dish in three ingredients <laughs> so i would suggest i would suggest like some real simple pasta sauces get some ready-made sauces i don't i don't really mind using those at all just get some fresh pasta because it's done so quickly it takes away that hassle warm the sauce up in the microwave and just mix that together and if you're a vegetarian for example that's fine you know you can just have like a really decent sauce and then put some herbs on it and things and just for me that's a really simple way to expand it and then if you can get into making fresh stuff that's kind of like play-doh and you get a pasta machine have some fun with that but then there's things like casseroles and bakes and slow cooking which you know slow cooker you can just you know, it's just that simplicity of dumping loads of ingredients into a pot, switching it on, walking away and, you know, batch cooking and things like that. So, you know, one habit that Becky and I try and get into is like on a Sunday evening, we'll try and batch cook two or three recipes, yeah. bung it in the freezer. And then for a midweek meal, it tends to be simple stuff like a tomato sauce, uh, yeah. you know, really condense it down. And sometimes we'll, we'll make the lasagna from scratch. But from, from that sauce, you could adjust it and turn it, you know, for bolognese and yeah, things like that as well. So I think playing around with sauces and pastas and things like that as well. And, you know, getting the sauce and cooking up some sausages, putting mashed potato on top, boom, baking that, you've got a sausage bake. It's just like it's so simple. I think, yeah, the um, so slow cookers, I think, are a great thing. For somebody who is just starting out, I would always recommend a slow cooker because it is so easy. Yeah. It is a case of slicing your ingredients, putting them in, mixing it up, and you're going to, you know, just leaving it. And you can go to work and leave it and come back and you've got yourself a delicious dinner. Yeah, it's hassle-free, isn't it? Well, Alec, I think that is a solid episode to start on. Yeah, I think we've we've broken the stonking seal there. We have, yeah. A nice selection of nostalgia and some funny facts as well. And um, I want to get the listeners more involved. So actually, this podcast, we're trying to... Anyone on Patreon, if you want to submit a question, and in fact, I haven't done this for this one because we wanted to just give you a teaser of what this is about. If you are on Patreon, feel free to submit a question uh, or a topic for a future episode. If you like the sound of the food stylist coming on and doing something like that, or if you have any questions for Alec too, do get in touch. Uh, I think, yeah, are people going to download this, right, Alec? Is that the best way? So yeah, you can download this show uh, from all of your podcast providers. We're up in all the places you'd expect to find us. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, then of course, please share this around. Tell people about what's going on with the Stonkin Foodcast. I love that name. And you can get in touch with Barry on, on Twitter, of course, to let him know all of your thoughts as well. Where can they find you on Twitter, Mr. Lewis? A Twitter at Mr. Barry Lewis, or um, I have obviously this Facebook, Instagram, uh, go direct to my website, or on one of the providers like SoundCloud, you can leave comments but obviously sharing and liking uh would be really good because it would help the podcast grow and you know it's, it's a really interesting topic and we can really make this quite a fun thing and we get lots of guests on and um yeah, just chat about the world of food and what's, what's going on in barry world really and of course alec world all right so should we uh i wanted to do another food pun wrap that up i think yes it is time we <laughs> shall call that a wrap all right thanks for listening folks uh cheers alec cheers
see you next time then, is it? <laughs>